Time travel, sci-fi adventures, and risky rolls of the dice lie ahead. Hello, and welcome to Anywhere But Now, a Doctor Who actual play podcast. I'm your host and GM, Casey Jones. The next hour and a half or so holds a thrilling adventure in time and space, so let's dive in. With me is the daring crew of our time-traveling machine. Playing the fixer is the charming and resourceful Brand Osorio. Hello, Brand. Hello. And joining him is Maeve Sullivan, played by the ebullient Kate McCoy. Welcome back, Kate. Hey there. Finishing the TARDIS team is Pandora Beatrix as the delightfully chaotic Calamity Hap. Bonjour. Ahoy hoy. Ahoy hoy. And returning to play with us today is special guest star A.E. Jones. Welcome back, Murph. Hey, Murph. Are you all excited? You feel that energy? Oh, I feel it. For sure. Deeply. Absolutely. House rules mean our players begin the game with five. Count them five story points each. However, since this is part two of a mod in progress, Gallery of Fear, our intrepid heroes resume the game with the story points they had at the end of our last episode. Get ready for a collaborative, immersive storytelling experience, because that's what I've brought to tables for over 10 years. Stick around after the game for interviews with the players. A bigger on the inside thank you to our listeners. Time is truly a gift, or it wouldn't be the present. We thank you for spending yours with us. If you like what you hear, leave a review, rate the show, and follow us on Twitter at Anywhere But Now with an underscore at the end. Share the show with your friends. Word of mouth is a huge help. Have questions? Send them to us at anywherebutnowpodcast at gmail.com. And if you'd like me to run a game for you, find me on startplaying.games. Links to everything in the doobly-doo. Brought to you wherever you're listening in time and space. This is Anywhere But Now. Uh, previously on Anywhere But Now. I'm feeling very excited because if there's anyone who can get an interview with a gifted and talented and yet reclusive artist like Artemis Mikobek, it's Maeve Sullivan. The Slothton clan of Raxacoricophalopatorius have recently disappeared following a botched heist of a casino orbiting Dick Dak. I think we should show up in our finest clothes. I'll take the fixer's arm. Would you care to escort me around the area? I think I need to take a look around for Artemis. But of course. Oh, the help! Welcome back! Did I hire you for this event? Whoopsie! It's great to see you. Is that calamity help? Darling dear, it's been ages and ages. Why, you haven't changed a bit since last time I laid eyes on you. My last doctor told me I had too high cholesterol and had to cut out salty food, but he's dead now and I'm still kicking, so who's the real winner here? You? Do we know her? <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> and that worries me a little. I'm going to look back at the security, the head of security and say, uh, Sir, what are the things that you are most personally worried about for today's event? Guests aboard this ship are some of the wealthiest, most vulnerable people in the galaxy and they've all shown up in the same place he's changed change tell a family secret that's rather rude of you kitsy do we talk about your hairballs in mixed company excuse me mr lowskeld how very dare you i didn't like him very much 
That was Augustus. He's one of the sour ones of the lot. So this gent right here has doubled in size since his last vacation? It's a lot in a short amount of time. I wonder if he's eating for two. What is even more curious is I haven't seen Miss Kobeck anywhere. Well, that's because she's in seclusion. She's being all mysterious before the big show. Across the floor towards the north end are an overhead shot at an angle of an open hedge maze that is completely empty of people trying to poke through. And at various corners inside the labyrinth made of hedge are all these little mirrors, the reflecting labyrinth. Alia points to the skylights overhead and talks briefly about how later in the tour, the ship is going to be passing under an ultraviolet star. It looks like a Gallifreyan tapestry. It's bigger on the inside. You're rather bold art experiments. <laughs> Everything's pickled. Everything on service is pickled. Kitsy, are you following a new diet plan? I wouldn't have made those choices. And reach into the painting and grab something, a plate of something succulent and offer it to the uh, companions. Should be right about here. And you pull out a plate of steaming hot food. Would you care for something a little less vinegary and hopefully more scrumptious? <laughs> Over your shoulder, you hear a light little chuckle. Someone got it, someone figured it out. That is, that's just wonderful. Do you happen to know Artemisva? Uh, we're married. Oh, that's wonderful. Elsewhere, a handful of overweight well-to-dos are chortling and clinking glasses with the guests. And it's like, oh yes, love the, the jumped suit you're wearing. That's, that's just marvelous. Oh, thank you. Um, I actually wanted to ask, were you making some sort of statement about bigness, or...? He looks at you, bursts out laughing with a big plosive bee, like... <laughs> Heidi Lowesgeld turns to you, like, aren't you naughty thing? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, no, I've been starving half the evening, but we don't touch this dreck, all this vinegar, Blah. Oh, the pickling. Yes, I'm sorry about that. Um, Surrenders! We wanted caviar! Lean in at that moment and interrupt and say, If you'd like, I can grab you some from the painting. The, the tallest, oldest of the group, his eyes narrow on you. It's like, what was that? You rumbled them? Time Lord. You've met them before? Harcourt narrows his eyes at the fixer. We know the type! Harcourt raises his wrist and shouts, the jig's up! <laughs> the, the, the trio of obese people in front of you uh, reach up and dramatically pinch the side of their temple and trace a zipper line across their scalp. They pull slowly down the masks they've been wearing as this dumpy green crab apple face plops out of the forehead hole until they're shaking off, peeling off the, not only the costumes they're wearing, but the skin underneath all in one go. Right, you horny toits! This is a robbery!
begin in the past with Maeve. London, 1889. Maeve has stormed out after a heated argument with her father. Of their own accord, your feet have brought you to the same place they have brought you numerous times when you are upset, need to blow off steam, and get away from family for a while. A gallery not far from your family's townhouse in London. A friend of yours, Kit Mulroy, has been working nights there for months, and you have a standing ticket at the door. Dimly aglow by candlelight, long, dark halls are filled with faces peering back at you from framed paintings on the walls, silently judging. You don't come here for the judging, though, just the silence. Maeve, your father has found your desire for independence distinctly unladylike. Having you study and learn certain secretarial skills are one thing, but the fact that you actually want to go out and apply yourself and get a job and make money of your own and get away from the Sullivan House has led to some heated conversations around the table. Has Mr. Sullivan always been so stubborn? You had to get it from somewhere. You've had a couple of minutes in the gallery. It's slightly after hours. The place is still lit by candlelight and it's raining softly outside. You can hear Kit, your friend, wrapping up receipts in the box office as they join you in the gallery hall floor proper. I think Maeve has just found the least judgmental looking painting and is sitting on one of the benches across from it, writing an expose on the Sullivan family. (laughs) (laughs) That's fantastic. The Sullivan family newsletter will have some truth bombs today. Your friend Kit pops down on the bench beside you and has a little trouble navigating a mustache that you are 100% certain is fake and probably stuck on with a little too much spirit gum. Just turn to you. What do you think? It's a new look. I don't mind it. It's a bit... Thick. Maybe try a little trimming? Yeah, I might try that. See, the thing is, it's a bit harder to, to decide where to do the snipping when it's just, you know, pinned on a little piece of paper, but it's not a bad start. And they pull out a thermos, pour some coffee into the little tin lid, hand you the lid, and you guys clink your coffees. So how's it going on the home front, then? My father is just as stubborn as I am, and I hate it. Mm. I hate seeing you two at loggerheads. Bit discouraging, that. They pat themselves up and down on the jacket and reach into an interior pocket and pull out a letter from your good friend Mitchell, who has left London some time ago. You know, he found a job right away over in Newquay. It's not too, too far away. Did he? You think there's more work there? If you take a look in paragraph three... He does make a point of mentioning that there's jobs over that way. If someone was so inclined for a little bit of independence. Maybe I'll get myself a pair of trousers and a mustache and take a cue from you. It's not a bad rope. It's not bad. I've got to be honest. I feel feel more myself in the right pair of trousers than I ever did in any daddy old dress. It's not bad. It's not ideal. I still get looks, of course. I think it's all about the right mustache, the right size of mustache. It's the confidence, too. I think you're more confident now. Mm, it's definitely the facial hair. <laughs> I must ask you a question, sir. Will you give me a raise? 
Yeah, Kit has known you just about as long as anyone has from the time that you showed up in London in your mid-teens with your family. You two hit it off fairly quickly. You know, both felt like outsiders looking in. So you have a, a bit of a conversation with Kit. They swing the keys to the gallery around on their new keychain and announce, you're now looking at the junior night manager of this lovely establishment. If you have any more bad nights with your folks, you can always, you know, hop on over for a, a late look-see. It's what's hanging on the walls. That's amazing news. Congratulations. Uh, thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm uh, quite pleased. You two are sitting there talking about the future and prospects when there's a... Maeve, can I get an awareness and intuition roll from you, please? You're trying to defeat a 14. While next to you, Kit, turned. Uh, 16? You definitely hear something. Um, a door, like a hard... It's loud enough and distinct enough that it immediately draws your attention to the staff-only door down at the end of the hallway. Did you hear that? Kit turns and like, says what? There's something from the staff door. Kit gets up, grumbles, comes back, grabs the fake mustache and tucks it into a jacket pocket. Grabbing the key, says, oh, I've got to go take a look. This is just what they pay me for. And they just walk off down the hall, peek over their shoulder like, you coming or what? Of course I'm coming. And I'm like just a couple feet behind them when they ask that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you are let through into gallery storage. It is a bit of a maze back here. High shelves and deep stacks go off left, right, and center. It is dark, quiet as the grave. Which way do you go? Can I hear anything else? You hear just the rain. Rather than the subdued pitter-patter, pitter-patter of it hitting the roof, you can hear it a little bit more loudly as if a door is open somewhere nearby. Mm -hmm. No. Kit, where's the nearest door? Is there one that could be open to the outside? Shouldn't be, certainly not this time of night. Uh, Kit looks around and pats themselves down for a book of matches, wandering off down the hall, patting their pockets, patting their pockets for matches like, right, I'm armed, you know. And you see them fumbling into a pocket as they're walking. Do you go after them? Do you take a turn? Which way do you go? I'm gonna go after them. Is there any way I could pick up something on the way that could be used as like a makeshift club, like a frying pan or something like that? You won't find any frying pans in storage in the gallery. <laughs> you are able to find for a cudgel, a brass brazier that is sitting in a small open oblong crate at about shoulder height. And it's about maybe call it two, two and a half feet long, roughly the size of an old-fashioned Bobby's police baton, and <laughs> there's even still a little tag hanging from it. I carry it like a baseball bat, ready to just swing at the first thing I see. You quietly maneuver through the stacks and notice that just ahead there is a shadow stretched along the floor. About two feet ahead of you, where the stacks cut off line of sight to the left or right, there is a shadow just standing perfectly still 
stretched out across the floor. Give me a coordination and subterfuge roll to quietly approach. Kit, with you, sees the shadow and presses themselves against the wall, we use the term loosely, but against the surface of the shelving, and raises a small kosh, a small knockout bag, basically something flexible and heavy like So what did we get in our coordination and subterfuge? I got a six and a three for a 15. You tiptoe closer and closer to the corner and jump out and it's just a statue. It is a woman holding her face in her hands, gazing thoughtfully past you at two men with dents in their noses from fights previous, cracks in their teeth and crowbars in their hands. They are standing near the open door to the back exit of this place, and one of them has a crowbar in their hands, and the other is trying to pull a bust out of a crate of straw. They lock eyes with you, they lock eyes with Kit, they lock eyes with each other. They raise their hands, and we cut to the ballroom in the midst of an honest-to-goodness robbery. Three giant crabapple green, dumpy-faced, mostly nude giants, easily seven feet tall, each with a three-arm or a meter-long reach with these gigantic, overly-sized arms with huge scythe-like claws. This is going to be an action round. We are going to share the map. Just need to catch my breath a second. So the Lowsgelds are standing more or less here, clustered together where the mouse is moving. You guys are right here, where at the end of our last action round, one of the Lowsgelds shoved Maeve back without actually incurring any damage, but enough to give them space, do their dramatic reveal, and shout to the heavens, Right, you horny tights! Shing! This is a robbery! So... For our actions rounds, we have talkers, we have movers, we have doers, and we have fighters. Do I see any of those trays with the pickled eggs and the other pickled foods on them? Because of the dramatic nature of the reveal, everyone present basically froze on their feet. That includes the waitstaff holding platters. Okay, then I know what I would like to do is grab one of the platters, make sure that it is Mm -hmm. covered in pickled foods, and mm-hmm. use it like a shield to make sure that the uh, Lowsgelds don't go after anyone else at the moment. Okay. To take the plate, angle it so they can obviously see what it is, and grab mm-hmm. the squishiest pickled veggie on that thing and get ready to <laughs> squish it right at them. But very clearly <laughs> a, if you come at us, this is what's going to happen, not a, we're attacking you outright. Okay. Give us a coordination roll, please, with athletics, because you are trying to do a brandishing here that is not quite combat, but you are like, you know, you're you're presenting something that could be potentially very deadly to them. So give us a coordination roll, please. I will happily do so. May I use two story points? You can use two story points if you wish to simply succeed at the thing. It is worth it. I want to make sure that Uh, Those claws don't get anywhere near any of these wonderful people. Okay. You you lean over like, pardon me, and just lift the uh, tray right out of the uh, astonished wait service person's hands. 
and uh, are now holding it in front of you, and exactly as you said, threatening to toss a particularly squidgy bit of uh, pickled egg at the nearest Slothfin. Remind me, how many of them are there? There are currently three Slothfins, larger than life, more or less clustered together. They have taken a bit of an attack stance, so it's, you know, hello, 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 and um, they are presenting unfriendly claws to anyone within reach. I think Calamity actually isn't isn't doing much of anything for the moment. This all seems fine. <laughs> Maid catches herself and kind of like rebalances mm-hmm. and then moves back beside Fixer, picks up mm-hmm. another eggy pickly thing and just gets ready to also throw it. <laughs> Give me a coordination roll to not accidentally knock it out of his hands while you're like picking <laughs> an egg out of the bowl. Uh, coordination, anything else? Um, <laughs> I, let's Could this be athletics. like a plus two for the power suit situation? No, this is not Aww. a confidence thing. This is this is a like grabbing an egg while keeping your eyes on scary monsters. Thing. Okay, I got double fours for an eleven. And 11. We are not athletically gifted. We are not athletically gifted. I will say that given that it is not terribly difficult to pluck an egg from a tray, that you succeed. You hear uh, rummaging next to you while the little old lady, Alia Pence, is just rooting around in her little black sequined clutch purse uh, for something, while next to her, Bruno slowly reaches into a jacket. Kitsy. Hell has just broken loose on your ballroom floor with a trio, an entire trio of disgusting slothton. Is Kitsy speaking? Is she moving? Is she doing in this round? What is she doing? What is she doing? So Kitsy is speaking because if I may, Moopsy's gonna be moving. And the two are related. Okay. Tell me what's your best <laughs> shot. You know. I am so glad I underwrote this event. I thought of just this situation. Moopsie, go! And Moopsie leaps off the purple pillow, grabs a pickle in her teeth, and then (laughs) (laughs) jumps onto the fixer's shoulder and just... (laughs) She is ready to go. Give me a coordination and athletics roll for Moopsie, please. This is going to be two dice... With her strength can't be more than, like, her natural strength can't be more than, I'd say, a one. Well, we're not using strength, we're using coordination, and she's a cat. So, yeah, yeah. I believe Moopsie's coordination plus your plus athletics to see if she can do this little somersault of pickle, bounce, land. Yes, <laughs> that is the goal. There's a three on the one on the dice, but coordination is four and athletics is three. So, we're looking at a. I, 11? That doesn't seem quite high enough for a double somersault pickle picking up landing on a Time Lord's shoulder. To like hook the landing, does she want to spend one of her story points? You know, it's a really cool move. I'm totally going to use it. Yes, I'm using the story point. I'm down to two. So Moopsie's story points are down to two. This little purple kitten leaps into action and scurries up the arm of Bruno down it, grabs a pickle off the tray that the fixer has grabbed, squeaks around and lands on his shoulder, ready with a 
ready to like spit the pickled thing at this person. That is that round. What the Slothin in the room are going to do at the top of the round is a fear factor. They are basically going to try and bully the entire room into freezing and obeying and handing over their stuff. Calamity is definitely looking like very confused and fascinated by everyone grabbing pickles. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. But like she's here for it. Everyone here, please give me your resolve and ingenuity, please, plus 2d6. You know what? I'm going to say that Fixer and Maeve and Calamity are all at a plus two because this is not your first time facing scary things, let alone scary green things that are trying to attack you. You're going to add two to your roll while the Slothton are using their resolve and presence, which is a nine plus four, 13 plus five, 13, 18. The number you're trying to beat with your resolve and ingenuity and the plus two is 18. Unfortunately, a two and a four on the dice for a total of 16. I had the same roll. Calamity has a 17, but a six. So that is a no but. Kitsy, what did you roll for uh, resolve and ingenuity, please? A six and a five on the dice for 11, and my ingenuity and resolve together is a six for a 17. Okay, so you and Calamity are in the same boat of no but. No, you are not brave enough to stand up to them, but planting your feet where you have has not angered them into targeting you. We are going to roll for the collected wealthy to-dos. There is a one on those dice. Around you, people start screaming hectic murder. Rich people just like, ah, 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 to the escape pods, oh my gosh. Maeve and Fixer, you are also holding pickled items. Uh, which will give you an added advantage. At this present moment, the Slothtons see you, see the things in your hands, and immediately rear back and start targeting the people they actually came here for, the wealthy to do. The central Slothton that was Werner Lowesgeld a couple of moments ago points at the fixer. You're gonna need more than a fancy train to stop us! He shouts, Let's spread out! Let's gather them up! The two Slothtons on either side of him snarl and <laughs> at the people around them as they start shrieking. <laughs> they have frightened the locals into a healthy panic. You guys are all on your feet, which is great. Um, that is their action this round. Next to you, Alia pulls, like, finishes her action. She's old. Things take a little longer for her. But her attention has been completely on her clutch purse, so her, her face is down like this. When she finally pulls out a squirt gun, a water gun that is filled with, it's a plastic clear water pistol that is filled with green briny liquid. And she points it at the approaching Slothtons. Fixer. You have seen her do this once already tonight where she just starts putting like those those knobbly knuckles of hers and just whistles really loudly. <laughs> Holding the water pistol on the the sloth and she says, Right! Defense plan Delta boys, we plan for this! And around the room, the wait staff holding these trays, they all plant one foot take the thing and grab the nearest dish on the thing and get ready to 
hurl it at the nearest Slothton. The first Slothton swings a slash, and one of them throws a thing of, of pickled herring strips onto their arm. And from where the splash zone hits their arm, you hear this sizzling like butter in a pan as their whole arm begins to bubble and corrode. And this snarling massive thing starts screeching in pain and outrage. It reacts to its arm like it has been, like acid has been hurled on it. That is their actions at the end of round two. Now that the spell of their fear factor has immediately been cracked by the retaliations of Bruno and the other waitstaff, you have the advantage again. They have just been... Uh, so Calamity just basically just sort of raises her hand and it's like, mm -hmm. are they, are they like allergic to pickles or something? Like, why is everyone using pickles to fight? Is that just a thing? Well, Calamity, the Rexacorical Fallopatorians are notoriously harmed by vinegar products. At that, squish the uh, egg in my hand mm -hmm. and yell to everybody else in the room, food fight! <laughs> Calamity at a story point. Fixer at a story point. As unholy hell begins. So that is your talking in that round. And around the room, the rich people are not quite running around like chickens with their heads cut off because inside every biped, there is a schoolyard reaction to the words food fight. And I think that hits something very deep in their core. Tiny little fingers and thumbs reach in with pinkies extended into these trays all over the room and they just start hurling bits of pickled gobs. Uh, just in the general direction. It is not pretty, it does not smell good. Vinegary foods are being flung. Maze. Oh, I'm gonna throw my egg at the closest one's face and see what happens. <laughs> Coordination plus combat, because this is a food fight and it is not relying on your strength, but your ability to aim. Coordination plus conflict? Mm-hmm, because it's a food fight. Gotcha. That's a four and a five for a 14. A 14, okay. <laughs> you fling an egg at the rightmost Lowe's Guild, formerly Heidi Lowe's Guild, and she's like, <laughs> uh, let's see if she's able to dodge in time. She is not able to dodge in time because there is a one on those dice. She's like, <laughs> and with a one on the dice, like there is just this moment of, shit. And the egg tumbles in slow motion across the room. And as her mouth goes agape with, and it just goes right in her mouth. And all of a sudden, grabs, like smacks the sides of her own face. And she's got foot long claws on every finger available. And like the, turns into this, flops around, still standing, but wobbling back and forth very ungainly, as you can smell the chemical burn from here just sizzling and popping into her mouth. That is her reaction to your move. Next to them, the other two low scales are not doing so hot. They have started getting pockmarked by these things and have started to hear the sizzle next to them. 
Fixer, give me an awareness roll, please. Is it possible from where I'm standing to see either of the uh, security tablets that we tie we tied to the system? Yes, that's what this awareness roll is for. Oh, okay, cool. Awareness and uh, call it technology. Ooh, technology. I'll take that. Got a four and a three on the dice for a total of fourteen. Under the din of the screaming and the squelching and the <laughs> the food fight, you hear screaming over a speaker from your tablet. You're also picking up screams or from where security is. Calamity, a food fight with acidic proportions is flying around you and a little speck of pickle drip uh, just hits your cheek. It doesn't sting at all. Like what is wrong with these people? This is just like, oh, Bill. At the at the shout of food fight and and everyone doing that, like I mean, Calamity's not not going to do that. So um, <laughs> she would definitely be be grabbing for the nearest foodstuffs and and then flinging them. She's not actually specifically targeting you know the robbers. She's just throwing it in general because it's a food fight and that's what you do. What direction is she aiming her food at? No, literally randomly. Uh, give us a coordination roll. She doesn't actually have any uh, any conflict, so I think I roll with disadvantage then, if I understand the rules correctly. Yes. So, uh, despite her very low stats and rolling with disadvantage, she has a, a nine uh, with a four and a three. A nine with a four and a three. Okay. Something is not really fundamentally clicked as to the importance of the food fight. It's like, oh, okay, and you just throw it in a random direction it bounces off of Bruno's lapel and just rolls down his suit in this eggy stain. Immediately, Kitsy heard food fight and was like, not in this dress. And, <laughs> <laughs> and she is immediately using her coordination to jump. You guys are presently right here. If you wanted to duck out of the way to like between this post of crystal balls and this divide here that's provided by the mirror and the landscape. Um, you could get out of the splash zone if you stepped over that way. I'm going there in post haste, darling. Give us a roll of coordination with two plus two for cat-like tread. <laughs> okay, that's double twos on the dice. Athletics is three. And then, I'm sorry, what was the last one again? And cat, oh, and two, so five, nine. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see if anybody pelts you once a food fight has been shouted. <laughs> that is a nine on the dice. Not even a nine, not even like adding up to a nine. Like that is a nine plus whatever the coordination of the guests is going to be. I am afraid that as Kitsy tiptoes and uh, gets past the mirror, there is just the worst sound of the splattering across uh, the top of one of your shoulders. Like, if you had the epaulets replaced, you could probably, you know, salvage the dress, but the, the shoulder uh, now has a small green vinegary stain on it. I am truly sorry. That guest is paying for my cleaning bill. I insured for that. <laughs> <laughs> Calamity. Between you and Maeve is Alia Pence, this tiny little woman who is holding this squirt gun like she's trained with it on the shooting range and with a plus two for the actual squirt gun she at the leftmost Lowe's Guild 
on the other side, who is at this point just trying to stay in one piece. And with a six on the dice total, that's a two and a four, he is not doing so hot. He also gets a spritz across one of his eyes and into his one, and like a little bit into his mouth, like, it does not smell pleasant in here. It does not look pleasant in here. Things have turned from urbane to sticky in an unsettlingly quick amount of time. Fixer. Yes. At the start of this new round, you have been presented with the information that there is an attack going on somewhere else in the ship. Well, I'm going to uh, quickly alert the companions and Alia in the same com- the same moment. It looks like the security room is under attack. I guess that larger gentleman was another one of these Ruxacorico Thalopatorians. If we can drive the ones in here to Gallery Hall B, we might be able to handle them quickly but we will need to regain security before he takes control of the environmental controls. From the fixer's shoulder, is Moopsie spitting the egg in their mouth at the nearest Slauson? For sure, but if if the fixer is amenable, Moopsie does love security, and she does want to stick with the fixer because she is here to defend the gallery. On the fixer's shoulder, it does. it's not sharp enough or deep enough to, like, damage the dress or anything like that, but it's one of those cat clings for stability so that she can (laughs) stay put on your shoulder as you head over in that direction. This is actually wonderful because I actually do have a cat that we trained as a shoulder cat. (laughs) (laughs) Mopsle! There's this moment of deep pain as it first bites in and then you just get used to that feeling of the claws holding on through the material. (laughs) Badge of courage! Awesome. Bruno, next to you, aims and fires, but with a one on the dice, does not hit anything in the room. All he manages to do is stop the sloth in his tracks as it tries to swipe and turn the other way. That is that round. Um, if you wish to move, you can scoot to the, the speed evader to get to security. Do I see any of them headed towards the Kovac suite or where I saw Magda disappear to? The one closest to this lobby exit right here. The way towards the far side is blocked by a lot of rich people who are now in a food fight for their lives, just throwing (laughs) vinegary food that way. One of them could make a run for it out the lobby. Let's see if they can manage to stay on their feet. That is a seven. That is not terribly bad. For moving that this coming round, one of the Slothin on the far right will start barreling towards the exit of the lobby. And that is the direction they are going in. It is entirely possible from their trajectory, if they were going to take the way around, they could be heading for the Kovex suite. Okay, but we can also get there through Gallery Hall B, so I will follow Fixer. So rather than leap towards the monsters trying to kill you, the nearest speed evader is Hyomp. I'd say you could cross that distance in a single turn. Maeve and Fixer are heading for the speed evader. Calamity, uh, Kitsy, are you staying here to thwart the sloth? Kitsy never completely leaves Moopsy out of her sight, so it's like, lead the way, darling! So Calamity is, is, I think, going to say, call me if you need me, but she's going to stay here by Alia because she seems to be really having like a good time. Mm-hmm. She's having the time of her life. Yes, everything that she does is fascinating and she doesn't have a squirt gun, so she can't exactly copy. But yeah, she's just going yeah, still still grabbing for more things to throw to throw randomly, but also like making casual conversation with with Alia like, "So we really don't like things getting stolen then?" 
Oh my, no. No one steals from Alia Pence and gets away with it. Speaker, 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 speaker. <laughs> she hands over her little black clutch and says, there might be a backup in there for you, dearie. Oh, all right. Calamity likes going through people's bags, so. <laughs> <laughs> so while all this is happening, while people are screaming left, right, and center, Alia is doing a job of keeping the two slothin' in the room back with the spray gun full of vinegar. Calamity, give us an ingenuity and intuition check as you rummage through an old lady's bag. She has an 18 with a 6 on one of the dice. Bravo! Not only do you find a spare water pistol full of vinegar, but a couple of those caramel-flavored candies that mm -hmm. old ladies invariably have in their bag that have all just clumped together into one wrappered caramel. Nice. You also find the, uh, her copy of the pamphlet on art history that can be worth a closer look. After the chaos has gone on, we will say that Fixer and Maeve and Kitsy and Moopsy are able to get walking through the chaos of the food fight and the screaming old people and rich people hurling eggs and pickled herring and God knows what else in their direction to the Speedy Vader. Step aboard the Speedy Vader. How long will it take the Speedy Vader to get to security? Nigh instantaneously. Dang it, I was hoping to uh, quickly pull out my stylus and just connect the tablet that we have to the phone that uh, we already gave to Bruno so that we will be able to communicate with the rest of the team as we travel. Well, I misspoke. It was going to take the amount of time it would for you to produce your stylus and link and <laughs> save tablets to the smartphone. I turn to Kixie and say, how did Alia know to have pickle juice squirt guns? Well, you know, when you get to be that old, there's a lot of things you know. You'll know more things as you get older, too. Maeve, add one story point. Fixer, please give us an ingenuity and technology role. You are at a disadvantage because you're trying to do this in a moving elevator when you know for a fact that lives are on the line. But you have a plus two for the Sonic. Yay, I will take that plus two. And I'd say with this difficulty, we're trying to beat a 15. There we go. Yay! Okay, so we're looking at a two and a one for a total of 14. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to spend a story point to get up to yes but? Because right now you're at no but territory. I will happily spend a uh, story point to do that. That brings me down to four. So the yes but here. Yes, you managed to sync your tablet to the smartphone for Bruno so that it is synced to the security screens. The but is that it appears to be locked on. Your specific tablet is now mastered to Bruno's borrowed smartphone, and it is just on. The same way that Maeve accidentally put her screen to sleep, you have accidentally locked yours into on mode. So that's fun! Um, <laughs> as the doors open into security. The doors open on a grisly vision. At least one person, one security attendee is on the ground with a nasty slash mark down their back that is deep and crimson, while the Lowsgeld in the room, Werner, who have also removed their disguise to uh, reveal themselves as a Slothton, is actually doing a fairly decent job of holding their own 
against security who are just trying to deal with him. There is there is a catered waiter up here with a tray, but they are in the corner of the room, absolutely frozen still because they have no idea what's going on in here. Slofton criminal. Put down your claws, give up, or your family will be given over to the Atraxi. You have one chance to save them. And if I'm familiar with the uh, internal politics of Raxacoracophalopatorius, you will lose a lot of your standing if most of your clan ends up in Atraxi stomachs. Give me a presence and convince role that you are trying to intimidate this person. Add two for Time Lord, because you can at least make it sound like you know what you're talking about. You have mentioned the Atraxi by name. You did also mention that they have stomachs, which they are oh. eyeballs. <laughs> Give us presence and convince against the sloth and resolve. Luckily, I got a five and a six on the dice for a total of 18. Ooh, that's a tan six on the dice. I believe he is going to spend two of his story points to counter you. He's not going to try and pretend that he has the upper hand, but he is going to talk to you like you're both on equal footing. <laughs> Jaxi, what are they going to do? Stab me to death? He is winding back for his next round. He is going to slash at the nearest uh, security person. That is his talking for the round. I would like to dive at the security person he's aiming for and push them out of the way. I want to try to get us both out of the way, but oh, I'll nice. settle for just them. Okay, so your movement this round is to try and get ahead of his for the next. That's great. Add a story point because you are trying to save someone else in this moment by doing something very brave and selfless. Give us a strength and let's call it survival since you're trying to help someone survive. Oh, good thing I just added stuff to survival. I've got a three and a two for a nine, but I'll spend a story point on this. He rolled a seven and his strength is a four, so that is an 11 to beat. Successfully knock him down, because at the moment it's more like <laughs> <laughs> Two story points would successfully get you both down without hurting either of you. I'm just gonna spend one, is that okay? And you both awkwardly get down on the ground. You are neither of you, however, are going to be in a position to easily roll out of the way or get up because of the clumsiness of that. Meanwhile, back on the gallery floor, Calamity, you and Alia are sort of like in the eye of the tornado of this thing going on, the food fight and everything, but there's it's almost quiet in here, stillness inside the storm. Alia looks at you, and despite the screaming going on, and the people like running around in genuine terror, she looks at you like she's having the best time of her life. Like, <laughs> I missed this. This is great. Uh, show us what you can do with that thing. Okay. <laughs> Calamity is not, you know, optimistic because uh, she still doesn't have any conflict. Um, but um, uh, she is going to is going to adjust for that. Running up to um, one of the uh, one of the assailants um, and apologetically saying, "I'm sorry, I'm really bad at aiming things." So just and then just run up until it's like right against them and then pull the trigger. A bunch point of blank, point blank, <laughs> <Richard> <laughs> range. Okay. Yes. Yeah. 
Go for it. Give us coordination. Plus two for the water pistol. See how that goes. I have a two and a four for a total of ten. I'm I'm happy to drama or to story point that um to okay. to bump it up though. I suspect it will be necessary because the nearest sloth is going to attempt to dodge. They have to beat a ten to not get hit by this. And don't. That was a three. That is a one and a two on the dice. So not only do they not dodge, they are not frozen with fear, more just stuck on cannot compute <laughs> of this person that is literally less than half their size while chaos is erupting, just calmly walks up to them and says, sorry, I have terrible aim. Squirt, 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 squirt. Yeah, Calamity gets that a lot. <laughs> she gets that a lot. Yeah, you hit them point-blank range with this thing, and it splashes on them, and you hear the sizzling and the... <laughs> the Slothin, in front of you, gurgles and falls back with a thud of a... <laughs> behind you. They sort of collapse like a soggy trash bag minus the bag. Ew. Green coleslaw just sort of across the floor as next to them, the other one who is not looking good in any way, shape, or form screeches and turns on you. Let's see what their action is, what their swiping is like. That is a seven on the dice. There's one sloth left in this room. The other one has cheesed it for the lobby and is plotting their way. Like a train, these things are very heavy and very slow to build speed, but the longer that the one that got away is tromping down, the, the faster they will eventually get. The Slothton rears back with the seven and their strength. That is a 15. Calamity, can you please roll coordination and survival for me to dodge or dip or move out of the way to not get hit by a still intact scythe sharp claw? That seems like a good idea. I actually have some survival, so I don't have to do disadvantage. That's great. Okay, so I have an 11 with nothing special. This is combat. This is going to hurt unless uh -huh. you spend a story point to cut the damage in half, spend two story points to like pull off a that was close kind of dodge. Those are the two results that we're dealing with right now. Or you're going you you are about to take a mother load of slicing damage from this unpleasant beast. Let's just spend one and and cut it in half. This thing already looks like it's kind of on its last legs. Its skin is starting to sag where it has started to melt and... It swings a slice at you and you take five points of damage from this. So what we are going to do, that is the amount reduced by half. So what we can do for Calamity is to shave one point off of five traits or we can pull more than one off of the traits that you have a five in. For instance, the pain could be so bad that it is harder for them to think, ergo they lose two points in ingenuity, two points in presence, and one point in resolve, that kind of thing. Gotcha, 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 sure. Until this slice is healed with medical attention or making it to the end of the mod, your ingenuity is down to a three. Your presence is down to a three because of the pain and the, the actual, like something actually hit you, something actually hurt you. And a minus one to your resolve or strength. Strength makes more sense. Let's do strength. Okay. 
the as the side light claw like slashes across her front and and you know uh, blood starts to come out in various places she will like sort of gasp out a, a cry of pain but it but it is it is a cry of pain that is like she's like ah oops and she's still like she's actively smiling <laughs> good you oh the shock of actually getting hurt has helped block some of the actual pain but uh -huh. um right next to you limps up alia and she's like, don't you lay a long little finger on my friend! Squirt, 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 squirt. And she blows her last story points, giving this thing a face full of vinegar gun. And the monster <laughs> becomes its own type of art, splattered against the Lowe's Guild painting behind them is now painted, sloughed in green. Fitting. <laughs> Cut to security, where we have, uh, at the top of the round, the fixer has tried to intimidate, and it has been a null result. Maeve has bravely leapt on top to human shield the security guard, and now they are both on the ground, still sort of in the same position. And Moopsie and is on fixer's shoulder. Kitsy is with them. Quick question, does it look like... Uh that the uh, Raxacoracophile Praetorian is going to actually be hitting her with the claws in front of us? He's going to try, yes. Oh, no, no, then I'm going to have to be a doer and get in the middle of that. That's not That's not allowed. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Do we have any talkers? Uh, Kit Kitsy, you raised your hand. It's going to be, once again, coordinated with Moopsy, because it's they're okay. basically each other. <laughs> Um, so both of them are going to have a tail twitch at the same time, and they look at each other, and Kitsy's like, Moopsie, what time is it? Where are we in the schedule? And Moopsie's eyes are going to get really big, and she's going to like, whoo, to wherever the clock is in the room. What time is it, Moopsie? I think it is getting nearly time for the ship to pass under the ultraviolet star. We're not quite there yet. Okay. No, that is that is going to be coming after Artemisma's scheduled performance. Whether or not that still happens is up to the fates, but that is that is not uh, something that is in Kitsy's control. Then, is there anything that I can do to back us up and just make sure that we're on time in the schedule? Like, this is a hiccup, can we keep going? You are checking, and give us an ingenuity roll since you're actually looking for something specific. You know what? Use technology. Looking at the readouts on the security screens. Got it. That is a five and the one on the die for a total of ten. Ten is not enough to figure out something that is not a secret, especially since you are not right in front of the screens and there is an attack going on. Like bigger, more important, distracting things are going on, so you cannot. So a ten is not going to cut it in this moment. So that is the that is your action in this round. So, Fixer, you said you have something you are trying to do, and Moopsie still has a egg in her mouth that is ready to launch. Maeve. I would like to try, and like from where I am on the ground, I want to try to kick this guy's leg out from under him to try to like topple him on his back. Since that isn't a, t like you are actually trying to strike him and disadvantage oh, okay. him, I'm going to call that combat. 
Since that is a blow you were trying to strike. That's fair. Unfortunately, fighting those with the highest strength go first. So he will be going before you in that when we get to the, the combat part of this. Fixer, you said you were doing something in this round. Yes, I'm putting myself be- physically between the descending claws and Maeve and the security guard on the ground. Because I still should have Moopsie on my shoulder with an a, with a <laughs> pickle thing in their mouth. Moopsles! Moopsie, my faith is in you. Moopsie is going to, like, kind of plant herself, give the butt shake like you do, and she's going to, like, (gasps) She's trying to spit the egg at him. Spit the egg at him, yes. This is too much fun to get in the way of. Logically, this should almost be a combat thing, but it's too much fun, and I really don't want anyone murdered. If I spend some story points, can we make it work? You absolutely can. And Moopsie also has two story points. I would like to toss in two as well. So yes, with two story points, Fixer slides into position, taking a knee. There's a little fluff of the dress. It's like, yes, this was cut to move, damn it. <laughs> Shing! And then there's just that little <laughs> She fires the egg, and with the four story points between setting up the shot and knocking it through, as the Raxacoracophalibatorian raises his claws, <laughs> And it just goes right in his mouth. And completely upsets the momentum of his attack. You can already hear the sizzling of the chemical burns inside of his mouth as he scrambles around. He is flailing around, though, and that is going to be an accidental attack. He is going to be at disadvantage because he does not have the wherewithal to physically aim, but this is still strength, which is eight, plus his claws, which are a plus two. So that is still a five and a two on the dice, and his conflict, he has three points in conflict with a specialty in Claw of Magaw, so that is going to add to his roll. That brings it to an 18. Here is the issue. Fixer and Maeve have already gone this round, dived into place, and struck a mighty blow but you are going to be at a disadvantage to dodge out of the way since you have already gone in this action round. I haven't technically gone this round. I was meant to be a doer, and I was attacking him, so I was waiting until he went so I could go. Right, okay, so he's going to attack and you're going to kick. If you are going to keep that kick action instead of trying to roll out of the way, Fixer and Maeve, at disadvantage, please, give us a coordination and survival roll. You are trying to meet or beat 18, because Maeve is holding onto their action for kicking him, and the Fixer has already taken action this turn. Okay, I got a a 4 and a 3 for a total of 12. Uh, I got a total of 14. As before, with Calamity, you have the option here to spend a story point and cut damage in half, or spend two story points and have a, oh, that was lucky, that was really close. It's really important to me that my faith in Moopsie was Moopsie was not misplaced, so I'm gonna spend two more story points to make sure that I take no damage. Okay. I'm just gonna spend one. So with the gurgling going on, Maeve, since, you ha- since you're deliberately choosing to take the hit, you're going to be kicking at advantage. Okay. You are also going to take a hit of five points of damage. We are looking at your sheet. What we can do is spread this across a couple of attributes because this is a serious hit. It is even after being reduced by half, it is still five points of damage. 
we could take a point from awareness, ingenuity, and resolve. You know what? Let's take one point from everything but resolve. Okay. And that is going to be that way for the rest of the game or until you get some kind of medical treatment on the ship, okay? Okay. As a reminder for our listeners and for our players at the table, story points can also be used later on in the game while you're injured to ignore dips in your status for a round, things like that. May you try to kick the slothman. Give us an attack roll with your strength, which is now two, plus conflict, which is three. It's going to be a 12. He has to be the 12, and he's at disadvantage because he's already gone this round. He has poison. So the lowest of those two dice are a three, a two, and a one. You kick as hard as you can against his calf. He cries out in pain, and the force of his scream just pushes all this acidic vinegar, just spraying it across the ceiling of the security room as he stumbles back. (laughs) Claws and struggles at his own throat. In futility, Mootsie raises her nose in the air from Fixer's shoulder with pride because that was a bullseye. Maeve, add a story point because as this thing was wobbling around, it threatened to fall on top of you guys, but the kick on his leg forced him toppling back. Kitsy, give us another uh, ingenuity and technology roll, please. Four and three on the dice. I have an 11. Alarms are going off. You don't know for sure what that means off the top of your head because there are, you know, people screaming and now suddenly not screaming like, ah, ah, as the room slowly dies down. Meanwhile, Calamity in the ballroom with Alia. This tiny little old lady is actually giving you help prop you up after you've been attacked. She's like, are you all right, dearie? Oh my, I don't think you wanted that red on your jumpsuit. Uh, I, no, I'm, I'm quite injured, it's great. Did you, uh, hang on a sec, can you just hold, hold me up just a little bit? And she will pull out her phone and call the fixer. Hey, all of the, whatever they was, turned into glop. Except one of them left. Do you know where they went, and is that all right? Also, I'm bleeding, but that's not a big deal. Wait, you're bleeding? She's a gusher! I just said it wasn't a big deal. Where are you? Where I was, in the ballroom. But where did, well, the, where did the other person go? We can worry about that later. <laughs> Fixer, give me an ingenuity roll with technology, please. And throw two on for Time Lord, because you're multitasking. I feel like if we're smashing cut to security, Maeve is bleeding profusely and also trying to handcuff the guy in the background. <laughs> <laughs> Number one, the handcuffs that you, that are currently available would only fit around his individual digits. Um, number two, uh, the sloth on the ground is approaching quite dead. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, so like Moopsie's just... Four and one on the dice for a total of 16. 16, okay. With a one on the dice, this is going to be a yes but. Yes, Fixer, you can see from the security screens, the remaining Slothton is currently trudging its way up Gallery Hall A. It stops briefly by an escape pod panel and then just curses itself because it is now too big to fit into one of the escape pods then 
continues to trundle towards the Kobex. Can I get into the elevator, the fast-moving lift, and get to that position ahead of him in front of Waiting Feast? Well, there has to be a but to this yes but. Oh, that's fair. That's very fair. By the time you are able to piece all this together, it's like, wait, he's going there, to there, to there! You will catch up right behind this Lofton if you want to basically tie him to that place. Flip to that channel on the tablet and say, Bruno, Alia, it looks like the last of these Sloftons is trying to make his way to the Kobex suite. Can you intercept them? Bruno just lifts his hands to his wrist. He says, on it. And you just hear the, <laughs> the click click of a plastic water pistol being checked. On the ballroom floor, Calamity is being assisted along by this little old lady. Like there are people screaming and like slipping on vinegar that's just all over the floor now and everywhere and Alia is next to you. It's never a dull time with you, Calamity. No, that's great also. Although, were you expecting to be robbed? Because she sort of holds up the squirt gun. Alia leans in close. Shh, spoilers, dear. And gives you a little pat-pat on the arm where you haven't been injured. Oh, well, fair enough. Calamity is deeply is deeply on board with, with avoiding spoilers. Beautiful. Bruno, ahead of you. Let's make sure he does a coordination because it is slippery. Okay, double fours. Bruno looks jitsky and manages to stay on his feet and is waiting at the mouth of Gallery Hall A where it joints to Kobex Suite as there is a... These speedy Vader doors open. Maeve, did you join the fixer? Oh yeah, I gotta get to Artemisia. I gotta get my interview. Right, okay. Maeve Kitsy Fixer, you open into the Kobex suite as this giant, lumbering, barely injured Slothton is facing off with Bruno in front of you. This is a new action round. Calamity, you are right about, I'd say, on the map about Hyun, so you can see line of sight-wise uh, what's going on in the Kobex suite if you want to get closer to talk, because talkers go first. Oh, are the are the doors open? The doors to this are currently open. Oh, okay. I thought I thought all of that was like closed before, and we had to go around it. I'm... It was open. The little old lady just didn't want to go that way. Okay, that's fair. Then yeah, you know we'll we'll hobble in that direction. You get to about the threshold of the ballroom to the Kobex suite. I'm gonna skid to a halt as we get there. I feel like I took mm. my shoes off on the way, so I'm just holding like, <laughs> stilettos in both of my hands. Nice. And just say, stop! We don't have to end this violently. Just stop. And in direct contradiction to we do not have to finish this violently, Kipsy's going to finally reach into Moopsy's pillow and take out an additional water gun full of vinegar and say, oh, for <laughs> fancy's sake, I didn't want to have to resort to this, but really, this is just not the dupe. And she holds it up. Kitsy, give me a coordination roll to, to reach into the pillow with a zipper on it and pull out a water pistol in, in a relatively smooth motion. Because this is not something you do every day. <laughs> Can I also add the cat kind? Like the cat-like reflexes? Which yeah, I think I'll is say two. With, with cat-like reflexes, like nimble. Yeah, that'll work on your coordination, sure. Okay, so I have a 15 total with a 6 and a 3 on the die. That's enough, I would say, more than enough to reach in, pull out the pistol full of vinegar inside the pillow. We must account for all eventualities. <laughs> so, would I be able to run over, smash a piece off the mirror, 
Or the other question I had is, is the uh, tray that was carrying the uh, pickles shiny that I can get a reflection in? The trays are silver, yes. We'll say for convenience there is a waitstaff guy who is just pressed against the wall holding a rattling tray. That's a two and a two for a nine. I feel like at this point, the Slothin is going to burn two story points to tune you out. It is angry, it is afraid, it is agitated, and it is not, it, as far as it's concerned, it's beyond mm. the point of... Reasoning, okay. If it's clearly beyond the point of reason, what I'd like to do is grab that shiny surface, run into Gallery Hall B, use it to angle towards uh, Eternal Vigilance, and then mm -hmm. pull, pull the Slothton into Eternal Vigilance. That is going to be uh, that is going to be more than one round of running over. That seems like a worthwhile thing to do. You can start moving that way if you want. The attack round, the Slothton is going to turn and raise its claw. It is not within striking distance of you guys, fortunately, but when it raises its arms to prepare a strike for the next round, that is when Bruno and Alia, by the door, they both open fire on this thing for attacking this round. Okay, that's Bruno. He's close enough to hit. Alia gets a six on the dice. That's actually a pretty good hit. Um, Eternal Vigilance is a bit too far away. I, I love where your head's at. Add a story it's point. Okay. <laughs> Alia takes the thing and as, as Bruno on the other edge of the doorway, because you did ask him to be ready to be there, the last Slofton gets two hits in one round of actually making contact vinegar and goes all and collapses with a wet thud. At this point, the screaming has more or less stopped in the ballroom. Alarms are still going off overhead. Little red uh, siren lights have dropped out of the ceiling to spin. Everyone give me an awareness roll, please. And let's put a survival on there because you're... Adrenaline is pumping, and so your senses are a little heightened. This is for everybody. Give me an awareness and survival roll. Got a six and a four for a total of 15. A uh, five and a five for a 14. <laughs> Calamity has a five with two ones. Okay. <laughs> 14 total. Everyone that rolled over a 12 and above, you can just make out as the screams are subsiding. Uh, there's a soft, gentle voice. Failsafes. Activated. Deadlock. Engaged. Safety measures. Activated. <laughs> From somewhere else in the ship, when it says things like deadlock engaged, it seems to you fairly obvious the safety measures, like the doors that can close and lock, have closed and locked. Not including the escape hatches, nor the speed evaders to speedily de deliver people to those escape pods. Calamity. With a five and two ones, you do not notice until it is too late that Alia is no longer holding you up, but in fact, she has become heavier next to you. And you hear a very soft thud. I'm also falling down a little bit because I'm not being held up anymore, but I will look to see what that was about. <laughs> Alia has collapsed next to you. She is clutching at her chest, but instead of a look of pain or anything like that, there's instead just this grateful little smile. 
Bruno goes and kneels down. He takes off his jacket and tucks it into a thing for a pillow under her head. And she turns to Calamity with a bit of a... <coughs> oh, oh, might have been that last pickled egg. <coughs> she reaches up a shaking hand and wipes away a tear. You know, I would have liked to see her dance one more time. But... We can't have everything, can we? And she just puts her hand on yours. And just as that moment happens, there's a little Magda sticks her head out from the private Kobeck suite. Now that things have gotten quieter and the alarms are going off, Magda makes eye contact with Alia and just, and Alia sags and goes still. Her time has ended. Calamity is definitely surprised, and she's not smiling about this, but she looks just sort of like, hmm, um, contently sad is the best phrase I can come up with for it. She just sort of like, um, reaches out a hand to like, to like, um, pat her cheek and is, and says, we don't know what comes next, and that is as it should be. Calamity, add one story point for a moment of grace. Fixer, give me an awareness roll, please. And throw Time Lord and Intuition on there for me, please. Okay, you got a 14 with a 6 and a 1. Your intuition, your Time Lord senses are telling you there is more going on here than entirely meets the eye. But it is on the tip of your tongue. The the 6 means that um, you will be at advantage in the future when more pieces click into place. Maeve, um, you see uh, across the floor of the Kobeck suite, standing just in the doorway to Miss Kobeck's private room, Magda is standing in the doorway of the private rooms, upset. She looks like she's just seen a ghost. I think Maeve is a little overwhelmed, and none of this makes sense. Like, there's no logic that seems to be here. I mean, she's injured, and this is just so nonsensical at this point to her. She just kind of, like, just stops and just, like, completely looks just limp. I believe it. Unless there are any objections, we are going to fast forward roughly 15 minutes as security mop up. Uh, the floors are marble. They do not want vinegar or anything else staining the floor like, you know, mushed up Raxacorico-Falificatorians. It's almost unsettling how quickly the classical resumes and people are sipping champagne, but not just sipping it anymore, but like, you know, <laughs> you know, to steal their nerves and whatnot. The lights have faded, but they have not retracted into the ceiling. Fixer. Your tablet is letting you know the fail-safes have been activated. Per the original program, this museum ship was on a programmed flight around an ultraviolet star. It is part of the presentation. It is part of the art show. With the robbery triggering their fail-safes, you can see from here that the hatches to the, like the main door to the parking bay 
has been shut and deadlocked, so there could be no fast getaways, and the accesses have been opened to all of the escape pods, which all have their own little tracking devices. After a couple of minutes, the captain gets on the loudspeakers and says that they are going to be making efforts to continue the gala as originally planned. It is what Miss Pence would have wanted. It is, she left specific notes that in case of anything that we were to continue the gala as originally intended because 10 years is a long time to put into something and, you know, have it stop. Magda has collected herself. She's made tea and is... She's lingering by the door to the private suite. There are only a handful of minutes before the main central piece, but Maeve, if you wanted to get some kind of interview with Miss Kobeck, now would be the time. During that time skip, uh, Calamity mm -hmm. could have done some first aid on Maeve. Yes, I believe that between Maeve and Calamity and the ensuite first aid available, you have each been able to recover one point in two separate attributes each. I really love the idea of us doing first aid on each other. Just like, oh, you've got a little blood. Oh, let me get that stitch in for you. <laughs> but I took a point back in presence and awareness. Kitsy. So, since the entire security team, and Alia, and you, my darling, so eminently prepared for the bank robbery, there must have been some warning or alert or something that let your team know to look out for such a threat. Well, there is some truth to that, darling, and I do take it upon myself to monitor situations across the universe, especially when my money is involved. Understood, understood. So I planned for as many eventualities as I could, and this is just one of them. And her tail just, like, twitches again, and Moopsy bumps Fixer on the side of the cheek and just mopsle. Like a reassuring <laughs> kind of, like, don't worry about it. You know, actually, I, I really don't in general. My only concern is, well, you know, we'll worry about it later. Mopsle. Of course. I am going to try to get that interview. Maeve, you politely... <sighs> <laughs> like, it's been a bit of a day. You make your way over across the floor because, like, even the guests are a little shy about even coming into the suite because, as far as they know, like, how are we even going to continue? But Magda is there. Are you okay? Oh my gosh, you've been hurt. I am... I am fine. Uh, I'm so sorry about Alia. I, I, I wish I could say I knew her. She was always so... She was something, all right. <laughs> she seemed almost hellbent on not meeting us. I, I mean, I've seen people send fan mail. I've read fan mail, screening for, you know, threats and things like that, and people too intimidated to meet their heroes and whatnot, but I never thought that someone as bold and brash as she seemed to to be would balk at meeting meeting someone that they they claimed to, to cherish so much i can't imagine her being frightened of anything to be honest it, it doesn't make sense to me but i'm I, I haven't walked in her shoes i don't know what what her life has been like i i promised you an interview didn't i i was hoping to speak to artemisia she gives the lightest the lightest of possible knocks 
to the private suite. And because of the open air from the gallery to the Kobeck suite to the private suite, like the whole Kobeck suite is pretty darn quiet. And when the door opens, it is just like, you could hear a pin drop in there. And a voice on the far side of the door says, enter. Uh, I'll look at Magda and if she indicates it's okay, I'll go in. Magda follows you in and shuts the door behind you so that the three of you can have some privacy. You walk into a small room with a simple, almost Spartan setup. Miss Kobeck has a mat to meditate and rest. There is a chair and a mirror with lights for makeup for public events. There are a variety of paints and jars and brushes recently used. You come in and on one wall is the mirror, the chair, the table. There's the mat on the floor. From the mirror, she can see over her back, she has painted a portrait, a smallish portrait of Magda, so she can always see her over her shoulder. She is wearing one of those elegant black silk robes that you don't know if it's a kimono, if it's a really nice robe, shapeless, sheen, but it is built for comfort and for movement. She has this lovely plum blue complexion under sable black hair woven into a long braid. She makes eye contact with you from the mirror where she's doing last touches on her blues. Come in, come in. We have a little time, we have a little time, come in. It is an honor to meet you, Miss Kovac. She just chuckles with a private joke with Magda. Uh, says, do you owe me a cup of tea? <laughs> she reaches out, puts a hand on your hand, is like, everyone is honored to meet. Welcome. I was just wondering if you could talk more about your inspiration for tonight and what you're most looking forward to about presenting your art to the world once again. Artemisma gets this distant look. Inspiration. The spirit moves. The spirit moves in us and it will move through all of us. I hope to share a experience that I have carried for nearly 10 years. Inspiration is too vivid to describe from too many sources. You reflect on the books that may or may not have been published yet that are in a time traveler's library. Photos in the history of her traveling to exotic places, arcane planets, seeing remote dead rocks that have not been touched by anything living in hundreds if not thousands of years, looking for inspiration, seeking out the meaning behind solitude and the cravings for connection, the pursuit that has filled her for the last decade. Meanwhile, in the main ballroom, people have started to gather. The auditor steps over from talking to the now acting head of security. The auditor says to the fixer, there shouldn't be any difficulties. Once the ship returns on its original flight plan, the doors should reopen as scheduled so that all these lovely wealthy people can go on with their freshly saved lives. Nice work, by the way. Thank you. It, it didn't feel like it at the time, but I'm happy from the outside it looked good. We're not terribly concerned with how it looked, just that as many lives as could be saved were saved. I don't think I could have planned for Alia, truthfully. It seemed like she might be at the end of her journey, but it's still sad to see her go. Maeve, in Artemisma's private room, Magda is like, do you have any last questions for Artemisma before the speech and the performance begin? 
If you could say one thing to the public who's waited so long to see what you have to say to them through your art, what would it be? She smiles this little private joke smile and tilts her head with a little smirk. When our show is complete, they will be speechless. And Magda is like, <clears throat> we do have to get ready. If you'll excuse us, we need to begin. Oh, I understand, of course, and I will respectfully leave them. I did use the note taker during this mm -hmm. interview to, okay, so I'll go send like excited exclamation points to Pond Jerry. <laughs> Great. <laughs> so in the ballroom and the Kobeck suite proper, guests have congregated. From the pamphlet, it looks like it's going to be a performance art piece. People are keeping a respectful distance against the wall so that they're not blocking anyone's line of sight. The walls of the Kobeck suite itself are blank. There are no paintings up in the Kobeck suite. Hollow curtains have materialized into place to give the place a feeling of a black box theater. Theatrical lights on and the audience dies down a little bit. The curtain pulls back, out steps Artemis Kobeck, the legend the larger-than-life genius of the art world, carrying herself with this poise and charisma. She steps out, and she's wearing the same black robe with long sleeves. Magda is waiting nearby. Artemisma raises her hands, and the audience falls completely silent. Thank you all for your time. The one thing not be saved for later. Our time. My job this evening is to share so that my experience becomes your experience. And there's this little bittersweet smile on her face and the lights go out and this mournful, sad, sweeping tone picks up. And the light comes up on Artemisma holding in her arms a scarf of ashy gray and she balances back and forth on the balls of her feet clutching this gray long scarf to her that is heavy with personal sentiment this keepsake this piece of someone else's life that is all that she has left. She almost attempts to put it down because it weighs so incredibly much. She puts down one end of it, going to let it drop from her fingers when all of a sudden there is Magda. And she's wearing a white robe. And she takes the other end of the gray scarf before it touches the ground and starts wrapping it up treating it as a delicate, tender, important thing. They take hands. She sees that it is important. She simply holds it with her. They walk in a circle, orbiting this white light circle on the floor, marking the passage of time as they get closer together until they have come full circle around the light. The scarf has now been wrapped around both their hands bringing them completely together. Artemisma reaches out and Magda takes her hands and they hold it together and the gray scarf slips 
through their fingers until it's just Magda and Artemisma holding hands. And that's when the lights flicker and the lights go out and the temperature drops 10 degrees in here as in front of you, the light flashes off and on and off and on as strange arcane shadows spread across the floor like wings and the lights strobe and in a heartbeat, Artemisma is gone and a weeping angel is in her place gripping Magda in both hands. Magda screams in a heartbeat and the lights flicker and Magda vanishes. She is there one second and gone the next and a weeping angel is standing on the floor as lights continue to strobe and it turns to the audience. And that is where we're going to end part two of Gallery of Fear. Thank you so much, everyone, for joining us today for part two of this rousing adventure that you thought you were done with, you silly, silly people. (sighs) Congratulations to everyone for surviving part two of Gallery of Fear. There is a part three. Hey. (laughs) I'm not scared. I'm not worried at all. This is going to be fine. It's just a weeping angel. It's just a weeping angel. It's fine. (laughs) Kate, how would Maeve report on this new wrinkle in the day's events, do you think? I don't think Maeve has any idea how to report on this wrinkle in the day's events. She's... (laughs) Artemisma said you'd be speechless. Maeve, for the first time in her entire life, has absolutely nothing to say. (laughs) For your uppercase courage today, Kate, please take two experience points. Jumping into the fray, jumping into the line of fire, kudos for building those connections and those really interpersonal moments. I love when Maeve gets to interview someone. Dora! What did you think about uh, part two of our trip to the museum? So it's a lot. Uh, <laughs> there's a lot of emotional whiplash going on. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta say, you know, we're having a food fight and then there's grievous injuries, but then we're winning and it's fine. And then there's Alia passing away oh, no. and then really touching art piece. And then there's the weeping angel, which, you know, Calamity just thinks is part of the performance. But yes, I've actually heard of them. Um, I'm, although I, I had always thought, well, that doesn't seem like that hard. People can just like take turns staring at them, right? And then there were the strobe lights. I'm like, oh shit, that's bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my, yes, that's very bad. Like I had a suspicion that this was not done because I had been waiting for the, uh, for the other shoe or, or possibly I should say the first shoe to drop in regards to Alia and Calamity and what the hell's going on there. Alia's uh, been juggling shoes since the minute she laid eyes on you. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. I'm I'm excited to see where this goes or where this where this 
was. Where this was. <laughs> well framed. I think some of our listeners are really missing out on seeing some of the amazing expressions we've been making during this <laughs> entire episode. Yeah. <laughs> Calamity, take two experience points for your courage and bravado and rolling with the weird, weird punches. Bam! What surprised you most about today's mod? Honestly, it, I, I gotta give AE so much credit um, because when Kitsy pulled out the pistol, <laughs> I was floored. I was completely floored, didn't see that coming at all. Still in character reeling from it and confused where, where they can stand. Now having that moment of like, oh, 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 wait, now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I also want to say I love the intensity by which AE defended, wanted to, wanted to express how Kitsy's going to defend their money. That was, that was, that was. <laughs> Brand, take two experience points for being eager to jump into the fray with the stasis cubes, the crystal balls. AE, that was the whole thing, Murph. Hi, Murph. As I say every single time, I love playing with this team, but I was especially looking forward to this because unlike you all, I get to live with the GM. One, number one, fun fact, Moopsie and Kitsy's solidified relationship actually was born out of me playing this mod with a different team where Kitsy did something that so shocked Murph they made me roll to see if I was going to like devastatingly lose my cat and that and, and Moopsie ended up being saved and forevermore I was like Moopsie is never going out of my sight. So <laughs> Wow, sure. Yeah, playing this through again, knowing that like this is like this is the fire in which their deep, deep relationship is formed. Yeah, there is no way Kitsy ever lets Moopsie out of her sight. And that was like one of the things like trying to figure out as they're playing this game, like they really do always have to work in tandem. Even though they make independent decisions, they have to reinforce each other. So that was like the thing I had to think about this whole time. Story points can be taken away as well as handed out. And the first time A played Kitsy, she chucked Moopsie over her shoulder to try and beat a path to the nearest escape hatch. And I was like, you're abandoning your small helpless pet? Lose three story points. And I could not lose three story points. <laughs> the gut punch of this. Not my Moopsie! Not my Moopsie! And then Casey, in their ever GM wisdom, went, roll for it. <laughs> Yeah, you, you chucked her. You want to go get her? Go get her. They did a great job. They saved their cat and regained three story points. But the sudden crisis of conscience was immediate, and it, I, I could not have been more pleased. I do want to talk a little bit about uh, Artemis Makovec. Performance art is something that has fascinated me for years, and a specific performance artist, Marina Abramovich, inspired Artemis Makovec. She has had an internationally recognized career. She has been working for decades. There will be links in the doobly-doo to her TED talk. I wanted to see what it would be like with a quote-unquote larger-than-life character in the mix, and it seemed like the simplest way to keep them larger-than-life was to limit the exposure to that person as much as 
possible. Maeve is the first PC to successfully get an interview with her prior to the show. So Maeve, add an additional experience point for your first of the game. Uh, kudos. That's the first time we've had a companion do a first, too. You have a weeping angel on the floor. And apparently it's not Maeve's first rodeo. (laughs) (laughs) Right? (laughs) I couldn't resist throwing um, a flashback. I really enjoyed a couple of episodes ago when we did a flashback to The Fixer and giving that little moment of insight into the formative years uh, before we throw them right back into the cement mixer of, okay, you're in trouble because of your choices. Let's see how it goes. <laughs> but also getting a chance to look a little bit into Maeve's backstory prior to winding up in New Key. I like those little moments. I like giving our audience a chance, not to mention our players, a chance to experience these characters in a not entirely linear timeline. Yeah, it makes sense. It is a time travel show. It is a time travel show. <laughs> And it feels very timey-wimey. How do you guys feel having survived your first brush with actual combat? You now have skin in the game. It was very exciting. It was so exciting. I was really freaked out about it. Uh, I wasn't real sure how that was going to go. And the thing was is that, like, Calamity... Because Calamity still didn't really, like, grasp the situation, right? Mm. Like, Because robbery is like, okay, people are taking people's stuff. That's a thing that can happen, whatever. But then, like, when she went up and, like, she killed a guy. <laughs> like, and yeah. she was not expecting that to happen. And then and then getting wounded is like, oh, suddenly this is all fairly real. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's still fine, just unexpectedly fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the absurdism of someone's last words they ever hear is an apology from the person shooting them for getting in real close. <laughs> Like, sorry, I have terrible aim. Squirt, 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 squirt. That is the last thing that Raxacoracophalicatorian ever heard. (laughs) Pandora, uh, one of the things I was really admiring during this episode is how you could go from that to to Alia passing away and making that such a sweet moment. Uh, You just made that transition so well, and it was just really amazing to watch. Thank you. Thank you. I am so glad you said that because I even wrote a note down that the we don't know what's next and that as it should be, like, I almost start, I like, I started tearing up. Me too. Yeah. That was such a moment that I really, really have to congratulate you on some excellent storytelling. Thank you. I, I, I have thought of a few catechisms from, for the Church of Serendipity and that one I made up on the spot. <laughs> It was perfect. Just beautiful. But yes, it made a lot of sense. Calamity, take an additional experience point for the moment of grace and a really, really nice moment in an episode that was chock-a-block with with some really fun moments. Robix, bravo, bravo. I love running this mod. This is another one of those that I've had for years and has been through some tweaks here and there. You guys are the first to go immediately to security and check the place out, pick up your tech and everything. But you look fabulous doing it. The added maneuverability of the fixer's dress becoming a plot point at one point was amazing. It's like, yes, you are you are dressed to move. Squeak! <laughs> 
That brought me so much joy. <laughs> it brought me joy too. Brand, take an additional experience point for the sliding in to save the day. The fixer's faith in Moopsie, like, is pushing me to be like, okay, what else can happen in this new relationship with Fixer and Moopsie? Because they worked so well together that when I finally, when Moopsie finally got to go with the egg. And that, that brought me so much joy because uh, there was a moment in the earlier episode where I had emphasized to the, to the fluff and like the one thing I know is that Moopsie is going to make a, is going to keep us safe. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm happy we had that moment in this episode to come back around to that, and that brought me so much joy. Mopsle. <laughs> I was actually gonna gonna shout out a because of the because of the like seeing an entirely an entirely different side of of Kitsy and Moopsy like being its dynamic go time. I mean, like sure, protecting the money, but like <laughs> it was it was it was still it's like wow. Go girl, that's nice. <laughs> like it. Moopsie and Kitsy has been one of my my deep joys. I loved the interaction during the flashback scene, sort of presenting these like deeper struggles that sort of lead you on this path in, in such a fun way. Mm. Thank you. Also gonna shout out Maeve's questions for Artemisma. Like you you had such a limited amount of time and you picked like the two to three like absolute best questions you possibly could have. Mm. Aw, thanks. For me, part of this is I don't want to cheat. I don't want to like just hit you in the face with something with zero warning. So it felt like sneaking a statue into Maeve's flashback was enough of a foreshadowing on that front of like, oh yeah, statues, that puts something in mind. Let's hope that doesn't show up. No, I didn't I didn't get that at all. <laughs> I love that. That was that was great foreshadowing. Seeing everyone's um, face I, as they realized what it was, again, because I get to live with the GM, so we've been, like, giggling about this for weeks, and absolutely lived up, like, it's great. I'm gonna have to go back to this flashback and remember that Maeve doesn't know, mm -mm. I, like, Maeve hasn't watched every single Weeping Angel episode that there is multiple times. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, the statue in the gallery is just a statue. There were no wings mentioned on that thing. It's just a statue. It's just a statue. <laughs> but yeah, you guys are in for a treat. You guys are in for an absolute treat because there's still a part three coming your way. Marina Abramowicz is this absolutely fantastic performance artist. She has, re she has reduced me to tears with some of her uh, recorded performance pieces. At one point, she spent time in a museum in New York. There was just a table of objects some were benign, like a flower or a glass of water or a feather or whatever, but there was also a knife and a cudgel and other things like that. And she would basically just be in that place and people could do a thing to her. Oh, it's that lady. Yeah. Yes. Okay. I know yes, who that is. I have heard of her. I did not recognize the name, but yeah. Like, she is iconic. And basically, Artemisma is her but blue. <laughs> Yeah, I, I wanted to do something that was a tribute because I'm not trying to make fun of anybody. Artemisma's approach is about the experience. It's about the time you share together and leaving them speechless because like, what do you want people to say after this? Like, nothing. There will be nothing to say. <laughs> I did think when you said that, I said like, well, that was real creepy and threatening, but. <laughs> right. <laughs> she looks so sweet and earnest and sincere when she yeah. says it. 
but the actual the actual performance like i was genuinely tearing up like it was like i could see it in my head it was it was beautiful i'm really i'm really glad i really appreciate that there was a piece by murray gold the composer for the russell t davies years of doctor who and he is coming back to compose for them again when i run this privately there's the murray gold classical that's all mournful and bittersweet but for our version on here, uh, I've already found another piece, royalty-free classical music for the museum settings. When the Slothmen show up, there's going to be Night on Bald Mountain and in the Hall of the Mountain King. Um, nice. Yes! But Magda has her own nice, thoughtful, somber piano piece, having it there in the background when we're associating with her so that the next time you see her, it plays again and you're associated with her and then she gets eaten by a weeping angel right in front of you and there's nothing anyone can do because her story is already over. One of the things I live for with this game is those tiny, whiny realizations. Oh God, oh God, I was talking to a dead woman that whole time. It's gonna be rough when that hits Maeve. <laughs> those retroactive, wibbly wobbly <laughs> things, they just, Hits you like a brick in the gut. I freaking love it. Thank you all so, so much for playing with us today. My joy is in, in running a game for you guys and your unfiltered organic experiences to wibbly wobbly terror. It makes me very happy. <laughs> it was wonderfully terrifying. <laughs> Incredibly. And finally, to our listeners, Another big thank you for sharing your precious time with us. If you feel it's been well spent, please share anywhere but now with your friends who are looking to enjoy themselves. If you like what you hear, leave a review, rate the show, and follow us on Twitter at Anywhere But Now with an underscore at the end, and wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to send your questions and theories, if you got them, to anywherebutnowpodcast at gmail.com. And if you'd like me to run a game for you of your very own, you can find me on startplaying.games links to everything, and I do mean everything, in the doobly-doo. From all of us, I'm Casey Jones. Thank you so much, and have a great day. Oh.